Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm really happy to have with me once again Brittany Spanos and Rob Sheffield. And we're going to talk about, we kind of have to talk about Olivia Rodrigo and this song Driver's License that has just exploded the universe this year. And we'll probably use that to segue into some of the other biggest and best debut singles of all time. But this is a song that, especially for adults who weren't paying attention to her, seemed to come out of nowhere. But as is almost always the case, it didn't really come out of nowhere. She was a a Disney Channel star, and she had this previous song, All I Want, which is from the high school musical, the musical, the series, uh, whatever the latest iteration of that thing was. <laughs> but this song, like this song, All I Want, before we get to the, the real the song of the moment, All I Want is a great power ballad. And it, it spawned, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize when Driver's License first came out, but she's the same artist who already had a really popular TikTok meme. There's this bit in uh, All I Want you know, maybe we can play the real thing eventually, but it's like, found a guy, told me I was a star. And it's such a prevalent TikTok meme. And basically, the way I saw it used, Brittany, and you can tell me if there's other ways, but basically it's often used in a really hilarious, ironic way. Like basically some loser dude will send <laughs> the most annoying text message, like not even trying, maybe some kind of compliment that's actually an insult or something like that. And then you, you kind of show that and over that you play the found a guy to- <laughs> who told me I was a star. And it's, it's actually really funny. I found a guy who told me I was a star. The best ones I've seen with that is um, the guy sending something that he meant to send to a friend that's (laughs) like really mean about like, oh, like this date wasn't that great to the girl that he went on the date with. And then it's like found a guy that told me he was that I was a star playing in the background, which is perfect. Top tier TikTok video. (laughs) But it was, you know, it was a super, super popular and, and it just shows how the ethos of TikTok, the same way that kids will use something from like a 1960s girl group and have literally no idea where it came from as a TikTok meme, I didn't know for months or whatever who this was. And mm-hmm. I didn't even, I had to put it together that when Driver's Lesson came out, that it's the same person. But so she already had something of a presence as, as an artist. And I, and I will say, considering that song, for all I want, when you consider it's it's from like the high school musical series soundtrack on Disney is preposterously good. It's a it's, it's like a real power ballad and, and everything about it is good. The songwriting, the singing, and it's a real sign that something was coming from her. But then I'll maybe let Britney take over. Then we get driver's license. I got my driver's license last week, just like we always talked about. How did the rise of this song in particular happen? I mean, I think that's kind of what people are still wrapping their heads around <laughs> is how this song really blew up the way it did. Because um, even when I first heard it, it was just like a friend who watched High School Musical, the musical, the series was like, oh, my God, Olivia Rodrigo released a really good song. You'll love it. And I just like happened to listen to it. And then all of a sudden by like that was like on Friday morning after it was released. And then by Saturday, it was like everywhere. Like it was trending everywhere. It was like on top of, you know, the iTunes charts, Spotify charts, everything. But I mean, it's kind of fascinating because it's, you know, the show itself and even the TikTok meme that she had, like it's, it wasn't really, it by Disney standards, like wasn't kind of like the big explosive phenomenon that you would usually associate with it. But I think she also kind of 
having a little bit of a fandom from there, but also she's a huge Swifty, and so the Swifties had already kind of rallied behind her. Like her name, I found familiar because she had done a couple of like Taylor Swift covers on her Instagram that the Swifties really loved, and that Taylor I think even posted about one time, and so they she already kind of was like getting a little bit of fandom from there from an already pretty massive established fandom we're kind of like rooting for her but i mean it's just like one of those songs that's just the minute i heard it i was so overwhelmed by it because it starts kind of as this piano ballad you're like okay like this is like for me i was like okay like i don't know where this is gonna go and then it turns to this like massive swelling you know moving just angry song about a breakup with a boy who's chosen some blonde girl that's so much older than her and you know everything that she's insecure about well and maybe rob can talk about what makes this song great because i would dare say it it is pretty great and it's fascinating to me how it it hits this note that's i think you know britney compared it to lord which absolutely it's lord core but it also kind of is in that vein of, of folklore and evermore as well with some other stuff as well with some with some Billie Eilish. It's like it's like Olivia Rodrigo and the song were you know made in a laboratory to conquer the world, but it also doesn't have that calculated feel to it. It feels very genuine. But Rob, maybe you can talk about what you like about the song. Yeah, it's a song that uh, I'm another person for whom it seemed to sort of come out of nowhere. But you can hear right away that she's a master songwriter who has listened to an awful lot of Taylor Swift and listened to a lot of Lord and learned so many great songwriting tricks from them. If I didn't know that it was Olivia Rodrigo, I, I would have assumed it was finally a new Lord song. Mm. Um, it, it's so close to the melodrama template, but you know, melodrama was, you know, that Lord album is very full of, it's a very Swifty album. It's very full of like Taylor's songwriting tricks that are just sort of given a new sort of context in this very, in, so it's a song that definitely, you know, it begins as one great song and then it turns into three or four other great songs <laughs> in just four minutes. The, the whole thing, like we're halfway through, it turns into something completely different. And she's just like, I just fucking love you, you know? And it's, it's like, it's like, whoa, you know, like you were saving this song for halfway through this other song. It's just so uh, strategically brilliant the way it's put together. Yeah, Brittany, what else? So uh, maybe you can add on to that. I mean, of course, there's also the the added kind of story behind the song, which I think is so fascinating. Oh, yeah. And I am personally already obsessed with. And I think for a lot of people, <laughs> this kind of like dose of like a little bit of like celeb drama behind the song and kind of unlocking the meaning, which so many great pop songs are built off of that and built off of this drama that you like want to learn more and therefore also care about the person who's singing it. But, you know, there was, it's not confirmed by Olivia. She has not yet said that this song is actually about him, but it is rumored to be about her co-star, the male lead of High School Musical, the musical, the series. Refused to shorten it. (laughs) Um, So it's not about Zac Efron, is what you're saying? It's not about Zac Efron, but it's the guy who's in the Zac, much like Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens. They are the (laughs) main couple of it, and then also had a, a rumored romance. So there was a song that he had co-written with her that was also for High School Musical, the musical, the series that was released last <laughs> summer. Rob and I can't help laughing but every time you say that, but go on, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but never going to shorten so it. The, 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 this guy is basically Zac Efron, the musical, the series. <laughs> That's right. I, like. I just, I don't want people to get confused with High School Musical and High School Musical, the musical. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> we, we haven't even gotten into High School Musical 3. You know, like, when is that going to be High School Musical 3? High School Musical, the series, the musical series. Hopefully soon. Hopefully. But his name is Joshua Bassett, and that's her co-star in the show. And basically, the rumor is that he helped teach her how to drive over the last summer. And it kind of is goes between they either like dated or they just kind of were having a, a mutual crush on each other at the time. But then more recently, he's been dating Sabrina Carpenter, the blonde girl, the titular blonde girl rumored of the song. And and, and who's that again? <laughs> she is a, another person from the Disney universe. She's not on High School Musical, the musical, the series, but she was on the um, Boy Meets World reboot, Girl Meets World. She played, I believe she played Topanga's daughter on that show. And she's also a pop star. She's been releasing music for several years now. And she's done a couple of like, she was in some like Netflix movies, some like Netflix dance movie last year. So she's around. She has her own sort of career going for her separate from High School Musical, the musical, the series. And so they've been rumored to date, Joshua and Sabrina. Leading up to this, there's been, you know, on the Twitter streets, there's a lot of stuff about the co-stars of High School Musical, the musical, the series, like supporting Olivia's music career more, a lot of rumors of anger and kind of riffs in the in the cast. And then following Driver's License after it went number one, the same day it went, or like, a, I guess a week after it was released, Joshua released a song called Lie, Lie, Lie which is a choice and has a video with a girl with him fighting with a girl in a car. It's the grandchild of Crimea River. basically. (laughs) And then Sabrina Carpenter just last week released a song called skin where she basically says like maybe blonde was the only word that you can think to rhyme. And then they both denied that it was about driver's license or about Olivia, but we know what we want to believe. (laughs) <laughs> I think this is a good time to announce that this podcast is actually pivoting towards uh, Disney Channel star gossip. That will be that will be where we'll, what we'll be covering from now on. So if you're not into that, you might want to find you know another podcast. Believe uh, me, but, I have a lot. <laughs> I, yes, you do. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for Brittany to explain how exactly Joe Jonas fits into this fictional universe. I mean, because you know well, he's in there somewhere. I'm sure there will be a song written about Joe Jonas. As there have been many <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a rock camp counselor who's definitely involved in that driver's ed program. It, it's when Camp Rock, the musical, the series, comes yes. out. <laughs> <laughs> the confusion a, on your face, Brian. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. I'm using, I'm using separately. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. I actually enjoy Disney Channel gossip more than I probably should. It's fascinating. <laughs> uh, but also it sort of brings it back to the sort of, you know, the, the quintessential early 2000s-ness of this song. 
which yeah. is like it's a very like i mean something i love about olivia is that she was born um the week that Avril Lavigne went to number one with I'm With You, oh, which is God. a real, like, <laughs> if, if, if you're, like, you know, into the, the template of defining people's cosmic destiny by what was number one when they were born, I mean, this is very much, you know, like, the follow-up <laughs> to uh, I'm With You that yeah. Avril, Avril was, was driving for all those years. Also, um, Olivia was born the week the Postal Service album came out, which makes a lot of cosmic sense. <laughs> Yes, this is, uh, to reiterate, a 17-year-old. Uh, February makes 2003, yes. Yeah. Extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's also just, like, the power of, like, a really great diss song on top of kind of a, a real kind of tangible drama that people can attach to. What's nice about this sort of drama is that no matter what, even with the other rumor and response songs that have followed like nothing has detracted from driver's license being celebrated as a song itself like the drama is not overshadowing at all any part of how great this song is and how much it's connected with people i mean even like in terms of tiktok memes you know this song like every single one that i've seen is like people like crying and being like not me being 30 and imagining being broken up within an indie movie to this song like stuff like that like everyone's just like so overwhelmed by how good and how real all this feels even if you're not a teenager who just got their driver's license as a person who's never gotten a driver's license i'm i'm moved by it (laughs) i feel like i also am going through the same thing you know it's just like even with all this drama it hasn't taken away from how good the song is and that's pretty powerful to like have this like celeb gossip component of it and the song itself kind of standing which is a very Taylor Swift. Yes, I was just going to say. Like, you know, no matter what, no matter what people are talking about, like you can't deny that the songs are good. Like you can't deny that the the writing is going to be what lasts longer than any than Joe Jonas sending a ten second voice voicemail to to Taylor Swift. One of the many many things that Taylor Swift accomplished artistically or set the template for artistically is the idea that one can make art out of what could be the stuff of celebrity gossip. That, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's a a tabloid relationship, you can elevate it to something timeless, you know? And and, uh, I I think it seems like Olivia has studied a lot of things about Taylor very closely, and that would probably be one of them. It's all very, like, the the lineage of You're So Vain by Carly Simon, where it's like you have this, like, kind of incredible story. Sometimes it gets confirmed, sometimes it doesn't. And, like, that exists and is such a great compliment to the song itself. But, like, the song is just so incredible. You Ought to Know would be another example. You Ought to Know, like, all of those where it's like, she never, she can maybe go for the rest of her career and never confirm that this is about Joshua Bassett and this is, you know, or Sabrina Carpenter and we can like keep talking about it because it's kind of fun and like and a little scandalous because they still have the show and everything, but she can never talk about it if she doesn't want to ever and we'll still have this like great song that's going to always kind of have that like fun component if you want to learn about it and un- unpack it like two decades, three decades from now. I'm looking forward to when she sends their baby presents. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what the songwriter who was born the week that Driver's License came out. Totally. (laughs) Hit number one is going to write a a kind of similar statement about probably High School Musical 3, the musical, the series. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, Driver's License, the musical, the series, the musical. Yeah. Um, Also, it's so accurate in terms of capturing that 
just got my driver's license feeling where you're just driving around streets that you already know because of course what do you do when you get your driver's license you drive past the same streets that you'd be going to anyway but it seems so cosmic and worldly and the whole thing is like oh i drive through the suburbs like it's this super exotic thing it's, it's just like really kind of it beautifully captures that feeling of 17 year old cosmicness she, she's mm-hmm. driving like a viper uh, through those suburban streets you, you could say. absolutely <laughs> one, of, one of my visceral responses to the song was i got mad at don henley a very typical thing that happens when I hear a good song. But I was like, <laughs> I can't believe that that, you know, garbage, the boys of, sorry, that song is kind of garbage. Like, and I was like, I can't believe that we could have had driver's license in the 80s and we got stuck with the boys of summer yeah. instead. Like a, just a, a, a pallid imitator of the glories to come. Also, hmm. the song is so good at proving yet again that there is no better subject of a song than driving or cars. Oh, it never fails. There are a few songs about cars and driving that I'm not immediately moved or, you know, just like enjoying immensely in my life. Like, it's just such a great, it's just an easy and like great way to like, I don't know, unpack your feelings. But yeah. Unbelievably. Yes. Like this, this is a long drive for someone with nothing to think about. Like, Mm -hmm. but I, I guess a question that you would probably know is, is, uh, is this a song she would have written after Folklore came out? Because um, I think it came before. Well, yeah, I think it might have been after Folklore because she did it on Instagram, like in, I think, like the fall, late summer. So she's been on Instagram, like performing a lot of her original music and kind of teasing a lot of the stuff that she will hopefully release. A lot of it's on YouTube and you can find these like Instagram lives that her fans recorded and like, you know, or songs that she's posted herself. And Driver's License was one of them that she had like shared it but yeah because i think like the songs that she released with joshua came out in like june june or july and so driver's license i believe came in the fall was when wow. she first played it so it would so, make, I, it would, I, yeah. I hate to tell you like how many hours i've spent wondering if she'd heard august when she wrote this song like the, yeah. the whole like get in the car drive to the mall go back to the mall go back <laughs> to the streets like the sort of circular loop of of adolescent maudlin angst um <laughs> but it's 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 funny what an august sounding kind of song it is yeah although taylor i guess in her songs she's usually in the back of a cab crying like <laughs> whereas, so maybe olivia's her uber driver and like they're both crying in the same car <laughs> it seems like a good thing that a song like this could leap to number one because it, it, it's such a piece of old school songwriting you know it just shows the world isn't done with that just yet yeah i feel like there's like such an element of of its rise feeling kind of inexplicable the song itself like there was really nothing put, it wasn't in commercials or anything like it wasn't on tiktok until over the week like it was kind of just there <laughs> like it's just people seemed it felt very word of mouth in the first couple of days in a way that sometimes it doesn't always feel that way especially when you kind of get like a lot of like new especially like the post like tiktok artists are kind of like going viral already and so it felt like almost kind of word of mouth in a way that especially for being a a disney star can kind of not feel or not seem earned to people who aren't paying attention but yeah it was yeah in that first week it's just like so fascinating to see how much people were gravitating towards it and blowing up and kind of like hearing about it from different even just like corners of the internet and corners of like people i personally knew like it just seemed like it was 
hitting people from different angles. Well, it's also like there's nothing gimmicky about it. I mean, other than the other than the real life resonances, but it's not reliant on a typical kind of TikTok hookiness. It's it's just a great song. What else, as far as and we can talk more about the song itself, but what other kind of debuts does this remind you of, if any? It's definitely the kind of debut where you just hear this person's voice. At this point, you've spent like just a minute of your life listening to this person. And you want to know everything about where this song came from. You can't wait for the rest of the song to come through. You can't wait to hear it again after the first time. It's a song that sort of like, you know, it announces in a big way the arrival of a huge new artist, especially, obviously, for those of us who hadn't heard any of her songs before. It was very much, you know, like hearing Billie Eilish for the first time or hearing Taylor Swift for the first time. It, it reminded me very much of hearing Our Song, which was the first Taylor Swift song I ever heard. And I remember hearing that song and actually Googling who wrote it before even who sang it, because I was like, who is this songwriter? And I was like, well, that's really weird. It's the, it's the same kid who's singing the song. That's, that's completely strange. Like, maybe she'll have some other good songs. But it was like that kind of thing where like you hear a new voice and instantly you're like, yep, this, this voice is going to be a part of our lives. Yeah, even in just sort of the, the last decade, thinking of, Olivia and sort of the lineage of like Lord with Royals and Billy with Ocean Eyes and kind of having these artists who are brilliant songwriters who are just expressing like very peak teenage dumb sort of subject matter and kind of their own sort of views of romance and again falling in the kind of Taylor Swift mode but even just looking at those of Lord and Billy and Olivia and kind of reinventing also like what it means to be a singer songwriter as well. And like, even that's what I kind of loved about driver's license is like, it seems like a very sort of standard piano singer songwriter confessional song when it first starts. And then the way that it swells and the way it becomes this kind of very grand anthemic pop song in the vein of green light and of melodrama is so surprising in that and how ambitious it is to, not strip it down and be like, okay, like, I'm just going to make this like a kind of straightforward, you know, me and a piano song. Like, no, I'm going to make this like really kind of cinematic song that has like its own sort of really grand video to go with it. And that really takes you on this journey. I think that's a great job sort of contextualizing it. And it it reminds you that even as everything else is going on in, in pop and hip hop and everything else, there is this this sort of thing amassing of, of especially female singer-songwriters. You know, that that's one of the major, I think we can sometimes overlook that. That's a, a, almost like a big alternative to, you know, especially to, to, to rap and stuff, that this, this whole other thing. And the other thing, it's just, this is truly like sort of a, a child of Taylor, you know, or at least a niece of Taylor, where you can start to see this career of hers that's still very much going on, but where she's also in some ways a veteran artist where you can start to see how this influence is going to be percolating down. And that's pretty exciting too, I think. Absolutely. Like this is really kind of like the first taste of the first wave of kids who grew up idolizing Taylor Swift who, you know, were in kindergarten when fearless came out. And so like they've spent their entire emotional lives immersed in, in that music. Like, and that's what clearly is a, a their biggest inspiration as a songwriter. So it was kind of like, wow, this is the first, like, over the next 10 years, we're going to be hearing a lot of Olivia's who, like, this is their their mother tongue musically. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I feel like even in the last few years of less pop singer-songwriters like Soccer Mommy, Clara, like so many artists are in that same crew of, of young women who grew up listening to Taylor, who, you know, some of them picked up a guitar for the first time because of Taylor and then have sort of used to put their own print on it and made their own thing. But yeah, it's also like fascinating to kind of Olivia and Billy and Lord, who I feel like are a good sort of like trio to lump together in this in terms of their pop reach. But like, it's less restricted than I think how we think of teenage songwriters and teen or teenage pop stars generally. I think like they feel like much rawer than I think we've allowed our young pop stars to be and to kind of thrive in and even just like Olivia cursing on a song and, and being a Disney star at the same time is so new. Like it's wild. To think, like, you That's know, a great point. Miley, Selena, Demi, the Jones brothers couldn't do that, you know, and a decade ago, like it's wild to think about it is like, they have a little bit more freedom to just kind of be authentically 17, which means that they curse. That means that they fall in love. That means that's messy. And like, it's not, they don't have to present this like very strict view of young femininity. And Olivia kind of, is able to do that while having her Disney day job and then gets to kind of be herself and not, you know, avoid cursing and avoid saying very, whatever her real things and reality is and not like fitting into like this, like very set box of pop stardom. Well, I guess the way I'd put it is that she got to skip her sort of Hannah Montana type uh, phase. She didn't have to do she went straight to the song she would have done to break free of her teen pop phase. You know, she skipped that. She skipped an entire phase of the career that you used to have. And it's a great point. Like, that, that's unusual, you know. And even like, I mean, Taylor wasn't Disney, but she was put in that same sort of she her cursing was such a big deal. <laughs> like, she's an, she's an adult woman. Like, you know, she, if she wanted to curse when she was 17, like at that time, it would have kind of still been controversial because the people that she was also in sort of like that generation of young stars were not presenting that sort of like she kind of got lumped into that because of just being young and being you know the expectations of that but to kind of take it outside music too is like this crew of Disney stars who are kind of allowed to be more of themselves like Zendaya or Bella Thorne too like these are we're kind of like seeing like a new sort of wave of kind of child stars being allowed to just like chill and like be themselves to some degree and like not sort of be put under this like very significant pressure that was detrimental to a lot of people that preceded them. Very self-conscious in the flaunting of the songwriterliness of it too, uh, in a very upfront way, which certainly wasn't the case with, you know, the Disney Mouseketeers 20 years ago. This is very much presented like she and everybody involved in presenting the songs very much wants you to know this is her writing a song about her feelings. It, and that's a very, you know, before and after Taylor, like the mystique of young female pop star songwriterliness is like completely different that Taylor raised the ante in terms of like, I write songs about my feelings. You know, that line that she used to say at every live show that was like such a uh, revolutionary line at the time. And we were joking about some of my favorite parts of Olivia's video or when, when she's like just lying on the floor like playing her little Casio keyboard in the way that, you know, in the, in the old days it would have been, you know, Carol King, like looking out the window with a cat, you know, like that kind of, you know, like here I am just introspective musing and that this, you know, really kind of honestly, like kind of like silly toy, like looking keyboard, but nonetheless, very, very important that her 
playing this song on an instrument is so key to, uh, to its mystique and its appeal. Well said. Shall we move on to uh, some historical examples, or did the two of you want have a, have a bit more? We can always move back. <laughs> well, yeah, and Olivia's in this great pop tradition yeah. of, of artists who get it so right on their first their first single. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have this list, a very well-done list on rollingstone.com of the 100 greatest debut singles of all time. But And we can certainly go through that list. But just as far as what are some of your favorites on this list, Rob? And, and perhaps most similar, with perhaps a, a similar impact to the song we've been talking about. Well, the number one on the list, we, we did this list last summer. It was the 100 greatest debut singles of all time. It was super fun to do, super fun to put together, super fun to argue about. And the number one song on it was the debut single of one Britney Jean Spears, Baby One More Time. <laughs> A song that certainly did not involve a video where she is actually playing an instrument or flaunting that she wrote the song herself, which, uh, of course, she didn't, neither did any native English speaker, as you can hear by the completely, typically Max Martin nonsensical lyrics. But <laughs> maybe one more time, a very similar kind of hit. It came out at a very similar time of year. It was a, you know, last few days of 1998, first few weeks of 1999 song that everybody who heard it was like, what the hell is this? Who is this? Why are they doing this? There, there's a lot of, you know, the alien sound of, of Britney's first song was definitely like a very flamboyant in your face. Here's how music is going to sound from now on sort of statement. But, you know, like the Olivia song, very much, you know, uh, here I am an artist with this new approach and the rest of y'all are just going to have to catch up with me. Y'all being exactly how Britney would have put it at the time. Like uh, another example, another song on the list that you know has gone down in history as an artist getting it so perfectly right in their first single is uh, "My Sharona" by The Knack, which you know was sort of halfway through the list. It was number fifty, I believe, and that's a song where you know you could tell this band had a bunch of brilliant ideas, and they put all these brilliant ideas into one perfect song that you know people are still listening to forty years from now, like. Nobody at the time would have been surprised that that song was going to be a permanent canonical hit. My Sharona is just like, it was something that was so like brilliantly realized on the first shot, you know, and you just knew the knack were never going to have another song anywhere near as good as My Sharona (laughs) and didn't need one, you know, like Olivia is a very different kind of artist. And, you know, I think she'll probably have more songs in her than the knack, but it's that kind of thing where like somebody has just an approach that is so unmistakably theirs just from the get-go. Something similar on the list as far as genre and impact uh, certainly is the is the first Lord single. That certainly jumped out at everyone. Yeah, I mean, a- another case of like, it's, you know, you hear the song, you're immediately moved by it. I mean, I, I loved Royals from the minute I heard it. Like, there was no question that I was excited about where Lord would go. Um, but yeah, I, it's one of those things where it's like, where does she come from? Like, who is this person that, you know... But, I mean, that entire album is so brilliant. And, again, just, like, a way of kind of hearing a very teen experience. Like, here's this, you know, this teen girl talking about just, like, the fact that, like, you know, her and her friends are going to, like, live their life and, like, not want to aspire to, like, have a bunch of money and, like, do a bunch of, like, wealthy people things and just, like, chill. And they're having a, a great time, which is a super fun type of, like, viewpoint of, of youth. 
another song from the list it it reminds me of not that it sounds similar but like the same kind of like uh impact is uh kate bush who's on the list her first song was wuthering heights definitely a song the first time you heard it as, as you know if you heard it now it'd be the same thing the first time you hear that song you're like what the hell planet did this song come from and who is this person why are they doing this how is it possible that they're doing this but also why are they doing this We've all had the experience of of hearing Wuthering Heights for the first time or being with a friend hearing it for the first time and just that sort of shock, you know, like it, it's a song that doesn't have the same sort of flamboyant virtuosity as Wuthering Heights in that sense, but just the sense of a singer-songwriter who is so confident about what she wants to do and so intensely committed to putting that across and not doing anybody else's kind of thing, just making her aesthetic come across loud and clear. It's that kind of impact. Brittany, what's a, a couple more of your favorites from the list? Um, I mean, I love Ponder Replay by Rihanna, which is, again, like a song I remember back in the MTV video, music video countdown days of seeing it and immediately being, being like, who is she? Like, this song is so fun. And I mean, that song is nowhere near even like the most popular Rihanna song. Like that was just like a light tease of what was going to come from Rihanna. Like it was, you know, a very like generously light tease of like everything that we would get from her in the years to come. But I mean, just such like a, a jolt to the system in the same way Lil Nas X with Old Town Road. I mean, that's one of my favorite debut singles in recent years. That song, I mean, just the way that it took over and still is everywhere. <laughs> like it's still, you know, a super popular song, but I mean, the conversation that started about country music and like what is country and even just like the appropriation in the genre versus like why he didn't count on the charts in the same way. And I mean, also every single remix was fantastic and had Billy Ray Cyrus, who is also on this list with Achy Breaky Heart and was also kind of shook up country music and what it was. And in the same vein of like Olivia and like Lord of being like kind of this songwriter that seemingly out of nowhere video games by Lana Del Rey of course I mean there's just like so much mystery like shrouding that song where it's like who is this random woman on YouTube and like this like very sad kind of vintage video that was accompanying it and everything that followed with the terrible SNL performance and gangsta nancy sinatra label you know just a lot going on but i mean that song was just like it was so different and it was so shocking to me that it was becoming so popular even as much as i loved it i was like why is this connecting with so many people like this is like such a sad slow song about just watching your boyfriend play video games like it's amazing it's like one of my favorites i think what all the best ones sort of have in common is the thing that Rob was saying. When you hear them, you're like, who is this? I need to know everything about this person immediately. This is this is blowing my mind. And there's so there's so many things on the... Actually, it's like Tracy Chapman's Fast Car is, is actually an interesting uh, parallel to this one. A, a singer-songwriter, you're just like, where is this coming from? <laughs> and just as far as stylistically, I mean, I, I think De La Soul's Bug Tuning is on there. And that, I mean... Rob, I don't know if you remember first hearing that, but De La Soul was was like, it was like a, a new planet appeared in the sky or something. You just didn't know that part of the universe existed, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Chardet, Your Love is King. It's another mm-hmm. one on the list. Your love is king. Crown you with my heart. Your love is king. Somebody who is totally 
assured that level of confidence you know like so, something i love about driver's license is that although she's singing about you know being sad and forlorn and, and she makes a hook out of saying like oh like sabrina carpenter you know not mentioning any names but oh she makes me feel so insecure you know like and somebody because there isn't a second in this song that sounds the least bit insecure this is an artist who is really you know you can hear the confidence that she's like i'm going to try to do this amazing thing that honestly it, you know it took taylor a few albums to get this kind of formula perfect if you can even call it a formula and she's like i'm just going to begin this song in this level and just bring it all the way home I mean, hearing that kind of arrogance and enthusiasm out of a young artist is the really exciting thing. And I, I think like some of the the best songs on this are the songs that you didn't even realize were like in kind of like in hindsight, like forgetting that those were even the way that we met them. Like Tim McGraw, even just like I forget that was the first Taylor single Creep by Radiohead, like even on this list, I was just like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize that that was the debut for Radiohead. Like that was such like a shock to me when I read the list. So that's also kind of fun about a lot of those songs is like, after a while, you're like, they create things that are even bigger and even more ambitious and exciting. And you kind of forget that how exciting that song was in the moment just kind of is there, but fades away in context of everything else that kind of dominates it. Yeah, uh, Alicia Keys, who, I was this fun? Jesus, you read my mind. I was just I, those words were coming up. But go ahead, yeah. No, no, but like it's it's also very interestingly similar story to Olivia. You know, definitely like flaunting the youth thing, playing the youth card. Her first album was songs in A minor because I am A minor, and and the way falling was was a song that used a lot of traditional elements, but in this unmistakably original way. And that you heard- Rob, I have to admit something. I just got that pun now when oh, you broke man. it down for oh, me. Oh, man. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> sorry. I swear to God. All right, go on. Can, I, I, what, I shouldn't admit that. What could be more authentically teenage than thinking that that's a really awesome pun? A terrible pun is a perfect, like, you know, like, teenage singer-songwriter trope. I mean, Lord's <laughs> debut album had maybe the worst album title of this century. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's not even going to like go down that road. But something about that Alicia Keys song, it's one of those, you know, the cliche is true. You remember where you were when you first heard it and you were like, who is this person? How many other songs this good do they have? But also just that, you know, that sense of confidence and assurance that comes comes with it. It's a song that announces like, I have a lot to say. I'm not actually sure it's on the list, but it should be, uh, which is uh, Beck's Loser was one of the one of the songs that I you know I actually heard it on the like literally heard it on Z100 which is New York's pop station uh, and which just shows how different the 90s were <laughs> that, that, that you would hear a song like that um, but may, you know actually you know maybe not that different maybe we're in it because driver's license is a little bit of a surprising song like that but and then you're hearing it on pop stations but yeah no I mean I heard Beck's loser and he already had some indie reputation that I didn't know about it but like i heard that on a um on like literally a little radio in the bathroom like the classic the perfect way to hear a pop song for the first time <laughs> and it just like i, I think it, you know I'm, and i'm not even a, that huge a beck fan but just as far as it was just one of the most intense moments of who is this what is this you know and that's the perfect thing that we're, we're talking about and just it doesn't sound like anything else you don't know who the hell it is and it seems to have come out of nowhere as far as like actual moments for you two in the like that with first songs that you can think of i could tell you where i was 
what I was doing, what time of day it was, everything. The first time I heard What Makes You Beautiful by One Direction. That was a thing where like you hear it and like 30 seconds into it, I was already thinking like, I'm going to be hearing this song and loving it for the rest of my goddamn life. <laughs> you know, this is a major pop group doing their, we are a major pop group and this is our major debut single. It was like the humor and warmth and, and, and again, that word confidence that comes out of it is, you know, talk about a, a debut single where, where it just, <laughs> the rest of the story like just totally flows from that. I mean, with something like both Mbop and If You Want to Be My Lover by the Spice Girls, to me, they're like, they're linked they're deeply linked in my mind because in my mind they both kind of hit MTV at the same time. I'm sure they were separated by a few months, but it like those two songs together were like, I was basically like, well, I love them. And at the same time I was like, well, the, clearly the nineties as we knew it is over. That was, I just remember it just was, it, nothing was ever more clear to me that both loving those songs and knowing like the whole alt thing was, was going to be washed away. It, it just was, <laughs> I, I could just feel it in my bones. And, and, you know, for once I, I was, I guess, completely correct. I do remember hearing TikTok by Kesha for the very first time, which was actually just like in high school, my friend had snuck their iPod in, their little like video 160 gig iPod into class. And we're like, you have to hear this song, like the Garden State <laughs> Shin scene where it was, but it was TikTok. <laughs> I should have said, sorry, Wannabe by the Spice Girls. I, I, I extended the title. We knew which uh, one you meant. Around. We knew which one you <laughs> meant. You know, you, you yeah. know. I, I could sing the whole thing for you. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you sing can. Sing a cigar. Yeah, yeah. Mbop, you know, by Hanson is like a perfect example. Uh, it, it's funny, like I, I, I happened to hear that song the first day. It was the summer of 1997. It was also that same afternoon that I heard The Rain by Missy Elliott for the first time. And that was like a thing of like, like, wow, these, you know, these, these two artists that, that are clearly going to be, you know, these are classic songs that they're doing. These are like absolutely songs that elbow their way into the canon the first time you hear them. And that sort of arrogant claim on history is something though, although the songs are very different in terms of their mood, in terms of, of uh, where they come from in the, in the musical map, um, geographically, emotionally, and, and generationally in a lot of ways. But Hanson and Missy Elliott both arrived with songs that, you know, definitely like they had that confidence and that cleverness that, you know, it's just overwhelming. Really weird to hear them both the same day and have the same same kind of reaction. There's so many. And I would just say that in, in recent years, like, uh, I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor was definitely one of them as, as well by, by Arctic Monkeys. It's just like, holy shit, what is this? <laughs> stop making the eyes at me. I'll stop making the eyes at you. What it is that surprises me is but that's also an example of like I was like this is going to be a whole new wave of rock and in fact it basically was like the last rock song um, <laughs> but dude, you know one dude, or the other dude. it was either going to be the, the and the, I'm not okay by my chem is another one or like moments when I was like this is the new smells like Teen spirit and actually it's just the death now but it's all good anyway it could be a fine line it could be a fine line <laughs> it's always either the beginning or the end well but something like new edition candy girl which is a song like another song that you remember exactly where you were when you first heard it. You know, in some ways it sounded old because they were very self-consciously trying to do a Jackson 5 kind of thing. But it was also like, I wouldn't be surprised if the rest of the 80s sounds exactly like this, which turned out <laughs> to be very much the case. You know, that was a song that both, you know, it made its claim on history up to that point. But it was also a song that started a whole new feature. I mean, new edition 
influential to say the very least. Aptly named group. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll do another episode on all of our wildly incorrect predictions on uh, pop history that were inspired by things. But today we're out of time. But as always, thanks so much to Brittany Spanos and Rob Sheffield for joining me today. And we'll be back next week here on Sirius XM's volume channel 106. In the meantime, we are a podcast. Download us as a podcast. Subscribe to us as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe leave us a nice review on iTunes because truly that is appreciated. But as always, we'll be back next week. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.